Hello and welcome to BB On The Record, this podcast from British Bandsmen. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsmen, and in this episode I hear from Ellen Silver Youth Band's inspirational musical director, Samantha Harrison. From its formation, the band has grown into a hugely successful multi-level setup, enjoying a host of competition wins, including national and European titles. Sam reflects on some of the highlights so far and discusses how the organisation is planning for a brighter banding future. Sam, who was born into a banding family, also charts her own musical path, from being invited to play a violin to having a tenor horn shoved in her hands before taking flight with the cornet. But first, she discusses some of the ways the organisation has kept engaging with its members during 14 months like no other. It's been a bit of a crazy time, hasn't it, this last 14 months? What we thought was just going to be, you know, the initial two-week shutdown, we all know, don't we? It's been mental. What I've tried to do um, as a, you know, a teacher, brass teacher, and, you know, obviously really hugely involved with the work that we do at Elland is to try and keep things as not things as normal as possible for everyone. For my own sake, as much as anything, we wanted to stay connected as much as possible to, you know, all of the friends and family that we've got within the band. Those relationships are really close, aren't they? And it would be so strange not to have any contact for all this time. So what sort of things have you done to keep things ticking over? We started by just testing out what we could do remotely online um, and working with families and with the youngsters to encourage them to kind of participate in the sessions that we were offering, trying to look for things that would interest them and motivate them. Um, So we looked initially, we looked at areas of development for the brass playing um, and what we might spend time doing that we wouldn't normally get time to do in a rehearsal. Um, So we had various different uh, speakers come and talk to the to the youth band um, and talk to them about the playing and find out what things they personally wanted to improve, you know, what were their own goals and how they could go about achieving them. And then for the younger children, um, it was just like delivering classes, um, but in a different way, you know, so we just tweaked things a little bit, used the technology to listen to lots of music, to learn about different styles. You know, we watched some of the online videos to kind of get inspiration from them. We learned lots of scales and we did lots of things creatively that we perhaps wouldn't have done, you know, in a normal band room setting. Where there's a will, there's a way with these things. Absolutely. (laughs) What sort of response have you got from the young people? Yeah, so, I mean, it's been incredible, really. About 90% of our membership has continued throughout the period. Um, Some of our youngsters were on that border anyway, you know, perhaps thinking this isn't for me or hadn't quite got the, you know, the the bug like a lot of the kids had. But the other, it's been amazing. You know, you come up with this crazy project um, of doing an an online recording with with seven, eight, nine and ten-year-olds and you have absolutely no idea how it's going to work, what they're going to send you, are they going to want to do it? So we just put the put the feelers out and yeah, amazing. I think people listening will be able to draw so many parallels with what you're saying there, Sam, in terms of some of the challenges that we faced and of course trying to hold on to players and make sure they retain yeah. interest. But it sounds like you've been doing so much great work there. Yeah. And it's actually amazing sometimes the resilience that young people have, isn't it, when they rise and respond to some of these challenges? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, some of our youngsters, um, you know, are not particularly confident um, in front of a camera or, you know, feel comfortable in the online space. 
Um, but it's amazing how with that bit of encouragement and positivity, you know, they've really sort of rallied to it. Um, and some of them faced, you know, fears of, of actually recording themselves. Um, and I know from my own personal experience, you know, as soon as you press record, <laughs> everything that you've wanted to do and practice all goes out of the window, doesn't it? You know, um, but yeah, so, we, you know, we've worked as hard as we can. And I, I think for me, um, my approach to that has been encourage as much as possible it doesn't matter if it's not perfect it doesn't matter if it's got those few little mistakes in it we can work with it and encourage you to you know feel like you're doing something you're absolutely right i think every single player young or perhaps not so young who's taken the time to press that button get the red light <laughs> on the roll and do some recording we all understand what it's like and everybody who's undertaken that deserves lots of credit for giving it their best shot now just as the island organization was thinking about resuming some in-person activity there was a bit of a setback wasn't there in the form of a burst pipe in the rehearsal facility what's the extent of the damage sam well initially when we first got the call it was like oh no you know the phone call that said there's water pouring out of the front of the building and running down the lane was just like oh my goodness what's happened um, anyway, fortunately, um, my my mum and dad, you know, my mum's the secretary, um, she managed to get my dad to go down. They only live not even 30 minutes from the band room. So my dad was there, met by this leak. And when he opened the door, um, you know, it was horrendous. He, it was like the message we got from my dad was the place is flooded. But yeah, so actually once we've got into it and we had a burst in the music library, um, a, a pressure surge had caused a, a pipe to, to burst and that had sort of drenched around 50% of the library. Um, so we had about four or 500 sets of music that were just completely soaked. Now, fortunately, we've been able to get dehumidifiers into the building um, and we have managed to dry an awful lot of music out. You know, um, it's been a, a bit of a toil and, and a pleasure spreading it out all over the floor um, and various members of the band have taken bags home to dry. So we've, we've done well in terms of salvaging stuff. But with about eight thousand pounds worth of music that's you know not not being saved really, it's just kind of turned to mush and all the colours have run and everything in the print. Um, so yeah, not great. Is the space? Is it the band's own space, Sam, or does it make use of a community space? No, um, it is our band. It is the band's own building. Um, it's it's quite old. Um, it's a pre-war building, so it was never. It's like a fabricated building that was put up. I don't think it was ever intended to, to last as long as it has done as a long-term project. Always got that vision of eventually moving to better premises or building our own premises. Um, and in the interim, keeping it patched up and keeping it going, you know. So where does that leave the band at the moment? You mentioned there's quite a bit of damage there and yeah. the loss of music <laughs> and so on. Where does that leave the band in terms of insurance and or raising some funds? We, we do have um, good insurance um, we, we took out a good policy with New Moon Insurance um, some two years ago, actually, and we did review everything. And I'm glad we did because you just don't realise how much the value of music and instruments and uniforms, you just don't realise it. So we are actually covered um, for the music that we've lost um, that we covered on that front. But obviously going forward, what we're looking at is thinking, well, do we want to just put everything back where it came from or are we actually now looking at how we can rehouse the library and you know mitigate any further damage in the future 
to help with the costs and to help sort of bring some of that initial money in to so that we could get on with things we did set up a little just good just giving fund um and you know i think we've had over a thousand pounds donated which is which is fantastic because that's going to put us in a really good place to be able to well the repairs we can carry out the repairs but we can also help use that funds um to help do something better um for the for the good for the greater good of the band in the long run you know so we can we can put the library into some better better storage facilities and things yeah and anyone looking to support that, you can log on to justgiving.com and I think if you search for Samantha Harrison, you should be able to find the band's page there. So good luck with that. Now, in spite of the challenges and the additional challenges brought about by the burst pipe in the band room, the organisation has been able to get back to some form of in-person activities. What's that been like? Has there been a real buzz around the place? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, the excitement of doing our first rehearsal with all of the groups has been, you know, fantastic. We started our activity with the youngsters uh, just after the 12th of April. I think the 19th of April was our first classes back. And we're fortunate in that we've got a really good partnership with Halifax Minster. Um, so the Minster have come on board and said we can utilise their facilities for the large group rehearsals. So we're able to do, you know, 30 players like socially distanced at two metres and spaced with the ventilation and everything that we need in place for that. And then with the younger children, the, the smaller children, we didn't feel that the Minster was quite the, the atmosphere for those young children to feel at home. So we've done smaller classes in our own facility. So we've broken them down into groups of six um, and put little bubbles in place. And they're all learning the same music, um, but they're just coming and taking their turn in the groups. Um, and then when we're able to come back together, they'll all be on the same page, hopefully. <laughs> it must be great for the young people involved, but also how was it for you, Sam? Because oh. <laughs> it must have been wonderful to be able to see people again. Yeah, well, this is it. You know, I mean, we've we've managed to form this connection online with each other and, you know, to feel comfortable talking to each other and everything. Um, but there's nothing like hearing the music played in person, you know, when you've taught remotely and, you know, it, it doesn't quite work, does it? You know, you can't do a full band rehearsal with hearing everyone play. You're playing along to backing tracks, you know, so just to hear the sounds that they're all making and particularly the youngsters hearing how they've progressed is amazing. Um, and, you know, we've been fortunate in that we've had members join the band and I've never actually heard them play. <laughs> so I've heard them play on a recording, um, but not in person. Um, so that was lovely, you know, and just and for those children that hadn't played with other brass children, you know, seeing their delight in the sound that they make, um, you know, and even when it's all wrong and it doesn't fit together, it's still great, isn't it? <laughs> That is just the most important thing, getting together. Yeah. It's part of why we all do it, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's yeah. great that you talk about new youngsters getting involved because it's clear the pandemic will have far-reaching effects on every area of the banding world. While adult bands will be hoping to retain their players as they look to resume rehearsals, there is something particularly testing for youth bands because, of course, time doesn't stand still. Two years of pupils will have left school since COVID has been around in the UK, which could mean the loss of some more experienced players in the organisation. Recruitment might have been hit for bands because the usual rounds of activities haven't been able to take place. What's it like for Ellen just now? How's that balance working out for you? 
Yeah, so I mean, obviously that's interesting because, um, as you say, at the end of uh, last July, we saw around four or five players move off to university um, and we'll have the similar impact this year. We'll have young players move to university. Some may not be, but, you know, as you said, yeah, the, it's time limited. So, I mean, we're fortunate because the way the band is structured, we have that progression through our organisation. So we have our beginner band, then we have our intermediate band, and then we have our main sort of standard youth band. So what that has enabled us to do is then look at who's ready for progressing to the next level. Um, so we have managed to kind of pl move players through the ranks um, and new players have stepped up. And similarly with our beginner children, we've seen children from the beginners class move into the intermediate class to fill that gap. So that's that sort of worked quite well for us. Um, and, and we're fortunate that we've got that system in place. Um, we need to be looking at the very bottom tier and bringing new children in to start from scratch. That's that's where our recruitment kind of focuses. Um, I mean, obviously, we welcome players to the other bands, but for us, we need to bring the, the, the new children from the community into that bottom level. I know that's a priority for bands far and wide as they start to navigate yeah. the way forward. Sam, you've been musical director of Ellen Silver Youth Band since its formation, and it has a very proud history already. There's been no shortage of competition successes, including European and national titles. As someone who's been there from the beginning, tell me about some of the band's highlights so far. What really stays in your mind? There's probably three things, really, that really stick in my mind. The first one is... Um, when we did the Action Medical Research Championships in 2010, um, we did um, a programme based on Carmen. And that's always took the title that year. And that was kind of like iconic because that was sort of the one of the first major things the band sort of won. We, we, we really felt, you know, that was like, wow, we've made it. You know, that was our, that was good. Going forward from there, 2017 was quite a really special year because we were able to play at the Royal Albert Hall with the Music for Youth Championships. That was something that we'd aspired to over so many years. Um, and we'd got so close to receiving that invitation, but just never quite ticked the box. Um, and so when that came together, that was really special. And then winning, probably winning the European Championships um, also in 2017. That was, again, that was something that, um, you know, was one of those like, really special times I think. Now you mentioned that performance and indeed <laughs> at the 2017 European Youth Brass Band Championships and that brings us neatly on to your piece of the podcast. So Sam tell me why you've chosen this piece. So the piece I've chosen um, was just so popular with the youngsters um, and it was one of those pieces when we first played it in rehearsal it just clicked everyone just kind of got on board with it that you could see you can always tell when you've got a good piece because the energy in the room changes the enthusiasm people sit up the chatter every time you stop there's that little bit of chatter um excitement you know you can just tell and and from starting that piece and then obviously performing it at the championships um it just suited the band down to the ground everybody had a part to play and when you put it all together the sound that's created is just it, it's a it's an electric sound it's such a good piece and I think audiences absolutely love it as well you know it's one of those it's a real it's a foot tapper it's got that excitement and yeah it just makes a band sound really good <laughs> 
Starburst, music by Dan Price, performed by Ellen Silver Youth Band. That was a live performance from the 2017 European Youth Brass Band Championships. It was the piece of the podcast, as chosen by my guest today, Sam Harrison. Sam, let's look at your musical life now. Take me on a little journey then from your early musical experiences through to where you are today. How did it all come about? So music's always been, well, it's been in my family. Brass banding is um, a family tradition. Um, my great-grandfather played with the Brighouse and Rastrick Band. He was an E-flat bass player. Um, my granddad was a, a cornet and horn player and my mum, a same, similar cornet and horn player. My uncle um, played cornet soprano, you know, so it's, it was kind of always in the blood, I guess. But it all started when I brought a letter home um, inviting me to play the violin. At that time, my mum wasn't involved in the band. She'd taken time out to have me. There was no way I was going to be a string player. <laughs> my mum said, I'm going to take you to the band. So they took me to Ellen Silver Band. when I, I mean, I was only seven. And that night that I went to the band, there was about eight players sat around with buckets in the band room. It was in a, a real state. That was all the players that they had. And my expert, first experience was I was given a tenor horn and I was given the music to Indian Summer and told to sit in and have a go. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. So I took this horn home. I didn't really want to play horn. I wanted to play cornet, but there we go. And my granddad took me on one side and, and I had little lessons with my granddad and I, I got going. Um, and then it just kind of progressed from there. I eventually did go on to Cornet. I moved on to Cornet um, and I had lessons off Rhonda Harper. Uh, Rhonda was uh, Jim Hickman's uh, niece, I think. So Jim was the bandmaster at Brighouse and she was his niece. And then eventually um, I had lessons off uh, John Harrison, um, who'd been sort of bandmaster with Crossley's Carpet Band and the Brighouse and Rastrick Band. And he came out of retirement to conduct Elland um, when he was 78. And at the time I was 14 and he took me on one side and gave me gave me lessons. And that's really what sort of transformed my playing. You know, he just he just knew how to kind of get the sound and, and what to do to instill that kind of musicianship in me. And how did your musical journey take you? to it's kind of gone full circle coming back and being so heavily involved with Elland today well I've always had that involvement um I played with the National Youth Band and then when I was at university I played with Huddersfield University Band and came and you know met Philip McCann I did a, a stint at Yorkshire Imps I decided um I wanted to progress and I went to Yorkshire Imps and I played flugel with them and then I did a stint at British Telecom Band and I played with them. I'd started doing some teaching whilst I was at Huddersfield Uni as a, that was like, a, it was kind of like a little bit of an earner for me, you know, a little part-time job. Um, and as kids were getting more and more involved, we sort of formed the youth band. Well, it wasn't a band, it was a group of learners. You know, that's where I started. As that kind of progressed, I realised that that's probably where my passion was and that's what I really enjoyed um, and so I came back to Elland and they were sort of third second section at that time and I came back to Elland and I, I continued playing with Elland um, and that and I've been with Elland all ever since. The senior band at Elland has also made huge progress in recent yeah. years and it continues to forge ahead what do you make of that? 
It's absolutely incredible, really, um, to, you know, to think that the small town band that I started with, with eight players, has gone on to, to do what it has done. It's just phenomenal, really. We've always aspired to be the best band that we can with what we have, with the players that we have. Um, that's been our aspiration. And when Jack Harris and John came to the band, his sort of uh, thing was, well, we'll grow our own players. There aren't players there. We'll make our own. And that's what he instilled. And that's what he did with me. He made me into the player that I could be. Um, and we've just gone on to do that constantly. You know, that's been our sort of mantra. Um, and so to achieve what we've done with the senior band has been very much we want to develop the players and nurture the players, even even adult players that have come to join the band. You know, we've given them the sort of time and space and encouragement to become the player that they want to be. You know, and that's and that's the important thing. And obviously you do get players come and go. Um, and we would try and fill that gap with the right player, you know, as, as most bands would. Um, but it is really about trying to get the best out of the team that we've got. Now, Sam, looking again to your work with the youth band, you'll be aware, and uh, so many people involved in youth organisations, they'll be aware it's really important to offer a nurturing environment where young people can really fulfil their potential. But what would you say are some of the vital ingredients needed to help young people succeed and really flourish? I think for a start, I think they need to have that kind of the motivation, you know, giving, opening the opening their eyes to what's possible and what you can achieve. So what other young players maybe have gone on to achieve? Um, I think when our youngsters hear what our youth band does, I think that kind of inspires them to think, well, I'd like to try that, you know, so that's that's the motivating factor, I think, and wanting to be part of it. Um, but I think just finding things that are interesting um, music that interests them, um, you know, so whether it's pop music or film music or, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a test piece. Um, you know, you can find all kinds of music that interest your young players. And then I think just generally encouraging them to, to, to work at what they're doing. Quite a lot of youngsters, um, certainly nowadays, if it doesn't happen immediately, they're not, you know, they lose interest and you have to kind of encourage that sort of skill in you know keep working at it keep practicing at it try it again you know um don't be afraid of making those mistakes because you're going to make mistakes to get better it's a really interesting point that you make it's not one of these things go from zero to grade eight in a week yeah. and it's no. just <laughs> sort of activity but i think some people might oh i should be able to do this straight away yeah. but of course if you stick with it well we all know the benefit yeah that's absolutely you know that's it and you're in it for the long haul if you start something. And also just because one person can do it doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it. You know, so everyone has different learning capabilities, different speeds of what they learn at. And you've just got to kind of work with that. So here we are, Sam, looking to the future, hopefully with more optimism than we've had since the pandemic first took hold. Do you think banding generally will have changed in any way when we get back? There are some players who have found that life's changed for them and things have moved on. They may have relocated jobs, houses. Um, and yeah, there could be some players that have found other things to fill the time. For me uh, and, and the people I'm with, I think we, we haven't lost that feeling of what the band is about and what that sound is. You know, once when you hear the sound of the band, it just draws you in, doesn't it? 
and and it is all those really good relationships that we've got with people that understand what 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 banding means to us you know for so many people banding is their passion it's their life it means the world to them um you know and i think it's just getting back to that isn't it and we just have to feel comfortable with everything that we're doing and you know it, it will come back i think if we push things too hard and we have expectations you know to be what banding was 14 months ago i don't think that's going to happen I think we just need to gradually acclimatise to coming back to doing things. That's it for this episode of BB On The Record. Thank you to Samantha Harrison and thanks to you for listening. You can support Elland in its crowdfunder. Go to justgiving.com and search for Samantha Harrison. Do get in touch about anything you might have heard on the podcast. You can email info at britishbandsman.com. You can enjoy a digital subscription to British Bandsman. It costs just £42.99 for one year. For the latest news, interviews and masterclasses from the stars, make sure you don't miss out. Go to britishbandsman.com and click on subscribe. As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Or just ask your smart speaker to play the BB On The Record podcast. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now.